0: welcome to disney animation minute essentials where we are splashing through disney's the little mermaid one minute at a time i'm kestra Dorowski.
1: i'm andrew durowski
0: and today we are joined by thomas from never ending minute welcome
2: thank you thank you for having me guys
1: I've actually been a guest on The NeverEnding Minute already, and so Thomas is getting his turn to be on our show.
2: Yes. Yeah, you did great on our show. I'm actually in the middle of editing that right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's going to be out uh, a ways before uh, this episode comes out. Big secret, the uh, Movies by Minutes groups don't necessarily record right before they release. <laughs> Sometimes we get ahead.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Today we are discussing Minute 6, which begins with Sebastian pulling his musical score out of his chariot, and it ends with Ariel saying, Flounder, hurry up. This minute features King Triton's daughters singing Daughters of Triton, where Ariel misses her cue, and it, um, Ariel is seen by a sunken ship.
1: Ariel seen by a sunken ship?
0: She, she is like that's where we we see her for the first time.
1: Oh, seen adjacent to not yes. not like the sunken ship observes her.
0: No, no. <laughs> okay. I misunderstood <laughs> yes.
1: that preposition. Yes. <laughs> I apologize. She is seen in the vicinity of a sunken ship. Yes. By, near.
0: Near. Okay,
1: got it. <laughs>
2: so yeah the first thing i noticed when i opened this is this is really the beginning of the movie oh my gosh i'm <laughs> i'm honored
1: <laughs> yeah you you got in early i put out a call for uh, some guests on relatively short notice. We're trying to record fast so that Kester can have the baby uh, when the time comes. But you you got in there quick, and I'd had a good experience with you on Never Ending Minute, so we got you in really early. You are our first guest for this film. Uh, we awesome. finished just the first five minutes last week with just the two of us, and so you get to be on for you know you're the first person experiencing The Little cool. Mermaid minute by minute, except for us.
0: Yes. Awesome.
2: <laughs> well, I'll let you know. I do. I do get to watch this often now because I have a three-year-old daughter who happens to love this movie, so I'm, as I'm very familiar it's with great. it.
1: <laughs> we're, we're glad we got someone who's who has the built-in familiarity. What was your experience with it before you had a three-year-old daughter? Say, as much as four years ago.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, four years ago, not so much, but way before that, when this movie actually came out, um, my niece lived with me at the time, and she was five years younger than me or six years younger than me. She was small and we had this v- VHS tape and it was on constant play with this and beauty and the beast. And I think that was it. She really cycled between these two every day after school. So I, I was constantly watching these. I knew all the songs. Oh, Aladdin was in the mix too. So, so the I early am...
1: Renaissance was was strong there. Yes.
0: Well, uh, now that I think about it, with our daughter coming mm-hmm. on the way, we're probably going to watch this a lot more now too. Not that we already. I don't, I don't
1: know if we could watch it more,
0: more, more than minute <laughs> by minute.
1: We're and here's the crazy thing: we're not getting sick of it.
0: Yeah. No.
2: Just think of it's
0: all
1: of our the our neat bits. Uh, just
2: think of all the neat tidbits you're going to be able to fill your daughter in on by the end of this. Or your <laughs> child. I don't know if it's a girl, but um, you'll be able to tell her all the intricacies of the movie. Like, look, you see this right here? <laughs> One time I found out that this little part here is whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I, anticipate doing that. I have found that even after we finished our first film, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like I still think about it plenty and I think about it, it's like oh there's a thing we didn't talk about or I'll realize a thing we haven't watched it since we we finished recording that series but uh I, I do find myself thinking about it and the things that we didn't bring up so somehow even amidst our like 40 or so hours of discussing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs we did not exhaust entirely our ability to discuss it Wow, well, sounds like you might
2: need to revisit it <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: I, An I extra uh, episode with oh yeah we forgot to mention this and this. I don't know.
1: Later. <laughs> I don't know if that would be possible, but
2: no. <laughs> you go but ten it, years later and have your daughter guest.
1: <laughs> it's surprising how much I am able to still enjoy the movie and think about it, and and you know the hours and hours of podcasting and and editing the podcast wasn't enough to make me sick of it. So <laughs> I don't know what it would take for these movies, right.
0: Yeah, I don't know. At least for these two films, there's probably a, a film out there that uh, that we will cover that will be like, eh. Maybe. I don't want to watch it that much. Aaron. Do you guys
2: have a movie that you're not looking forward to doing that you know you're going to do?
1: Uh,
0: minute by Minute? Yes.
1: We're, we're not sure exactly. I mean, that's why we put essentials in our names, so we get to <laughs> uh, pick and choose, but so far, thinking for, you know, the next little while, we haven't come up with anything that we're, like, no, we're not going to do that one. Um, not not within the next two years, I think. So as, as far as we know, we're sticking with our, our planned trajectory of just doing them by minute. And
0: But eventually it, we're going to hit the, the...
1: The war era the is going to be era. a little That's... tricky, but the, I, but, in a way yeah. they don't count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then early on, I did not think we would want to do Pinocchio. But at this point, I think, well, we've got to do Pinocchio and we're building in enough of a break that I won't feel exhausted by some of the early Disney that is maybe not exactly what I want to spend time watching, right. but it, I'll have a break, so it'll be worth it. And and yeah. we're getting better at it, so it feels a little easier each right. time. Yeah. We should jump into the, the, minute, the itself. minute itself. the uh, minute itself? Well,
0: before we do that, okay. I forgot to mention something for friday's episode of last week Last week. uh we talked about sebastian uh, entering and the fanfare and i think you said like the kazoo ki- type yeah. thing it is a kazoo and it is played by alan manken on the kazoo his
1: his own performance yes in place there
0: yep i just needed to mention that okay. i forgot to write it down but i knew
1: that's worth it about it yeah um so sebastian improbably pulls a large a section of music <laughs> out of this chariot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what is that music printed on?
0: I don't know because it's it looks like paper, but, but can it, it be paper? paper, paper? Is mm.
1: <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I remember I checked out from the library like, and I was probably in like second grade or something. Just for the novelty of it, there was a book, and I don't even remember what the book was actually about, but it said. I am an I can read underwater book because it was like the pages were like coated in a wax ceiling or something so that you could take it underwater. I'm like, why? Why would that exist? Like, (laughs) Why would you want to create the book that can be read underwater? And it had like and and next to that statement had like a picture of a little kid with a snorkel reading the book underwater.
0: Someone wants to go (laughs) swimming and read at the same time.
2: Well, I know they they actually have bath toys that are books as well. They're like a puffy kind of plastic. Mm -hmm. And for small children, I know my daughter had some of those.
1: This was not that. This was like, it was (laughs) not puffy and plastic. And it had, you know. It also wasn't like especially large, and so I just didn't understand the purpose of the novelty. So maybe that is what Sebastian has printed his composition on, an an I-can-read-underwater composition paper. (laughs) I can
2: agree with that. The first question that comes to my mind is, well, I don't know if it's a question or statement, but there's like five notes written on each line.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes
1: Kestra I actually know. went to the trouble Of playing those notes while we were We, we paused it and Kestra went Read to, the music and, yeah, and the played piano. it on our piano um,
0: It didn't Sound like an
1: it was It was yeah. short, and the best I could think is maybe it was a little bit of the melody that is actually part of this song, but it wasn't quite clear. no, it wasn't enough to really get a sense
0: all what what you can really read is some of the notes some of the notes aren't as clear as others, and you can tell that is it is in treble clef in four four time,
1: which is standard, which is standard. Right.
0: As I played it, I wanted it to include a B flat. So I wanted there to be, I wanted it to be in the key of F major, different key. But it did not have any flats maybe, or sharps.
1: Maybe in, in the, the ocean, everything is in F major. Was that what it was? Yes, F major. Maybe under the under the sea, everything is in F major just by default.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: But it, it was actual music of a sort. <laughs>
0: kind of the
2: first. What caught my eye about it in just letting it play and not like pausing on it, it doesn't even look like music at first. It looks almost like a really hard crossword puzzle.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and if you look at it throughout the rest of the scene, uh, which is this minute, this minute yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like music. The rest of the time. We we pause at like just the right time and we're, it, it, we're it, able to see It was music. music part but like everything else just makes it look not like music at all so i don't know uh
1: another note i had early on especially watching sebastian because kestra and i've been watching uh what we can find of the animated series um that disney had in the 90s i remember that and the animation in this is so much better than the animation for the for the series just like watching sebastian move i was like Oh, the animation quality is so good. It's so bright and vibrant. And I wonder if some of that might be um, benefited by by us having it on Blu-ray. But I think Possibly. for the most part, it's just the dedication to a film as opposed to a TV series and right. the the quality of animation that they are able to do. It's kind of a luxury to be able to do it, but it, right. it was a, definitely noticeable
2: in a cartoon. You're just trying to churn it out as much as quickly as you can, so you you skimp everywhere that you can, and you. You try to streamline it.
1: Exactly. But it, it was really noticeable when I saw Sebastian moving like, oh, this looks so nice. <laughs> uh, should we jump into I know Kestra has a ton of notes. Well, I wanted, to talk, about,
0: I wanted to talk about the instruments first because okay, they the first band. come in the band. It's just
1: this uh, is not the only undersea band that we will observe yes, in this film.
0: But this <laughs> orchestra only contains nine instruments. Okay. It contains an octopus playing drums.
1: Kettle drums, yes. I would say.
0: A frog playing the cymbals.
1: Which were just seashells. Yes. Also, okay, I I don't understand amphibians in particular. I know that in a way they are able to exist on land and in the water. Does that mean this frog is, like, okay to be at the bottom of the ocean?
2: I don't think that's how it works.
1: <laughs> okay. Is it just that they can, because I, like, I know they have lungs, because that's part of being an amphibian, but do they also have gills? Is that how it works? I and don't, also, I don't think frogs typically go in the salt water. Right. No. This
2: is saltwater as well, and probably fairly deep. I don't think his body's built for that kind of pressure either. <laughs>
1: Well, if the dolphins are surviving, it might only be 500 feet deep, but I think it's definitely got to be deeper than that.
0: Yeah. So, Because <laughs> so, last week we talked about the dolphins and how they have been strapped to- To the chariot.
1: To the chariot and we're worried that they're going to die. And,
0: and and then there's one in the audience, and it just doesn't seem like they would be able to hold their breath so for I'm that long. So I'm thinking this frog so. might
1: be in a similar situation where it's like, this frog shouldn't be here.
0: So it's like strike two for the-
1: For the undersea marine, marine life.
0: Yeah.
2: we <laughs> I think the easiest way to account for this, though, is that there is a little bit of magic at play, and it's really easily shown by the curtains that are drawn to the side that are just bubbles. I
1: I do love those curtains. That is a wonderful touch. Because at first you think it's like, okay, just a bunch of bubbles, but then it it is drawn to the side like like curtains, curtains like stage curtains, so so
2: they can control
1: air can, here somehow. I guess I can buy that there's some magic in play but in also, this movie. It's
0: King Triton, and he has a triton that, that is, is definitely magical.
1: Magic. Good point. So, so is he keeping <laughs> the dolphins alive? Maybe, Maybe
2: he's just, just got it. air bubbles that he lets them go to to breathe occasionally or something.
1: It's like those mermaid shows at, at I don't even know where, but there's places where there's mermaid shows, and they just have um tubes with air running through them so that they can get a breath while they're under. Yeah.
0: Maybe. It could be something Hmm. like that. Okay. So after the frog, there's a purple fish that's playing the saxophone or Mm -hmm. what looks like a saxophone.
1: This is not the same saxophone player we get later. I
0: think. No, I don't think so. And then there are three yellow fish with like blue stripes, almost
1: they're almost but, a little bit like Flounder. Almost but really a little, bit, not.
0: Not, not really. It's like a different yellow and, and blue. But they are playing what I believe to be clarinets. But it's not exactly clear.
1: Yeah. They so could just be gonna, simple horns.
2: If we're going to talk about the air problems here, how do these instruments play? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they certainly can't be woodwinds. At that, that point,
0: point. <laughs> yeah. So, but a clarinet is a woodwind instrument. So it's like
1: a water horn. Yeah, we'll call it.
0: It's a water horn. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but like it, it that's a good
1: could... point. I had not. Me either. I had not thought about that. Huh. <laughs> At, well, and so the earliest fish we saw in the sea was also. He sighed with relief and bubbles came out. So there's some excess air going on.
0: They're they're taking liberty to yes. to this.
1: But I don't really mind. No. Because it's pretty no. it's pretty fun and charming. Yes. It is it, it I mean, we were doing this minute by minute, and a guest had to bring this up for us to think <laughs> about it. So
0: Yeah. Uh and the last three instruments are played by three greenish colored fish, uh playing some sort of string instrument like a bass or a cello.
1: Yeah. It's an upright stringed shell instrument. Yes. But they definitely are bowing it. Yes. So that is the, that is the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, my note on the orchestra is that they definitely, um, as, as much as I was praising them for, you know, the wonderful quality of animation, this orchestra is a victim of recycled animation. You can see, yeah. if you if you watch, I think the frog is maybe the most obvious one uh, because he has limited gestures with that instrument, but you can see that they pretty much run the same cycle of animation maybe four times
0: yeah. uh, right.
1: at the beginning, but the music distracts from it quite well.
2: Speaking of distractions, the first, I keep saying the first, but I noticed that G- Sebastian, jeez, I'm slipping into never <laughs> you're, you're
1: stuck with the <laughs> Never-ending story character.
2: Sebastian gives this pause, this tension-building moment, before he really jumps into the music. And you don't expect the music to be what it is. It's a little... I didn't expect it to be that bright and cheerful, even though I've seen this a million times. Because I'm going through minute by minute now, and all of a sudden it's jumping into the music that he's actually playing. And I was quite surprised.
1: I think it's, it's also kind of subverting expectations that you get in a concert hall and an orchestra in general, because you would expect them to play an a, or they need to do the tuning bit. Like you're accustomed to, uh, or, or I mean, even from Disney, if you look at Fantasia, there's that, you know, three to five minute, everyone's tuning their instruments, getting them right. And you feel like that's part of a concert presentation. And then you hear the silence and then it jumps into something and but in this case they just they skip all of the tuning
0: they skip all the tuning which they may have done beforehand but it doesn't seem that likely right now i think they're just
1: jumping in and
0: and then he doesn't give a beat pattern beforehand to make it seem like to make it the tempo seem that
1: prepared, prepared right. and everything
0: he just he like lifts up his his uh his p- claws he he has a baton baton. okay yeah he has a baton and then he lifts it up and stops and then they get right into it
1: i'm wondering because i mean throughout the throughout the whole thing we're certainly not getting like orchestral style music for the most part no i'd say even the score itself is not typically orchestral it's at best a limited orchestra and I think they're going for that intentionally. I know in, in the preparation, Al and, and Howard Ashman wanted to have a unique sound for all of this. And they made a, a strong effort to do that. And I think this is evidence of that. Uh, I'd say they're very light on strings all throughout the film. Yeah. And an orchestra would typically rely very heavily on strings for, for melodies. I think they do a lot more horns. Um,
0: they do a lot more horns, and I feel like part of that was because Howard Ashman wanted there to be this more contemporary feel and more of an upbeat um, and brassy tone, kind of. Yeah. And also with Sebastian being from the Caribbean, he he wanted there to be
1: uh, Yeah, a, a, a tone from that. A, music. Um, what's the – kind of a reggae yes. um,
0: right.
1: infusion into it. So maybe part of that is to say – this isn't so much an orchestra as it is a band, and the band is ready right. to go. Yeah. So, and so he, maybe that's the way to look at it.
2: The tone of the music even has like a, almost a John Philip Sousa kind of feel to it as well.
1: I think that's a, kind of the result of of the horns, right? It is, is drawing in. Um, uh, I, I wanted to say Sousian, but that would be Doctor Seuss. So Sousa. <laughs> a, a Sussanian? <laughs> Sussanian? I,
0: don't <laughs> I don't know. know.
1: <laughs> I don't know how to turn John Philip Sousa into a, an adjective, but yeah, I think that's a. I, I hadn't thought about that, but there's certainly a very American brassy marching band kind of, right. feel some of it. So I, it's really interesting to see how they took the desire to do something unique and, and how that evolved. And we know later on, I know that we're going to talk about music for, a number of minutes at different places and this is one of the shortest musical numbers i think it's like 41 seconds on the right. on the soundtrack uh, but it does set a precedent for the rest of the film yeah to to say you know don't necessarily expect anything for this because we're going to do something different and and most of the songs have a very unique tone it if you just listen to the big songs you're going to get I mean, if we if we talk about like the four big songs in this, you get four different tones from each one. And and like Under the Sea is very different from Kiss the Girl, even though they're both Sebastian's songs.
0: Yes. But also the what's happening in that scene is different for Mm -hmm. Kiss the Girl. But this particular song, I feel, has a little bit more of a similarity to Under the Sea, and I feel like mm-hmm. maybe Sebastian wrote Under the Sea and gave it to the fish beforehand, <laughs> and like, they're not improvising, ready to get... but that's later in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, well, and also, I think an important note, as you were talking about, they adjust each song for the mood of the scene. Even with Kiss the Girl, that's not what you would think of as a typical romantic uh, date song. It's It's not... Right. It's not the uh, Bella note that you would get from Lady and the Tramp. Like kiss the girl. Wait, they just did the romantic song, and they made it so different from what I would expect a romantic song to be, and so so peppy. And I was not expecting that at all. But I, I, <laughs> I like I can't say enough good things about this music, and they deserved the Academy Awards that they I won, won for it. I've yes.
2: sung these songs pretty, most of my life. I've sung these songs.
1: <laughs> okay. So the the uh, the bubble curtain parts and the shells come up and we've got the music going and we're all excited and we get the daughters of Triton uh, as they they the the uh, I don't know if their clams are oysters probably oyster shells open and we have the six daughters of Triton singing their song. Kestra has so much information.
2: I I probably have the same information she does. <laughs> oh, did
1: you, did you find it on a uh, semi-reputable internet source? <laughs>
2: Probably yes. We're are, are we talking about the correlation between the daughters and the oceans of the world? Oh well,
1: well, we do have that, but Kester has an abundance of other information oh, as well. But okay. oh, why don't you share that one, Thomas? All so so Kester not the only one talking through this sequence.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, as each daughter is named, um, somebody's gone through and decided that the looks of each daughter are so unique that they actually end up tying into the oceans of the world. So you've got the first one is Aquata and she represents the coral sea. She's kind of coral colored. She's got that um, outfit on. You've got Adrena who represents the Caribbean sea. And then you've got Arista who represents the white sea because of her white hair.
1: Yes, yeah, I think she's the only blonde, or yes. the, well,
2: there's, the there's most another, blonde.
0: There's another one that has darker blonde Dark. hair. Okay, right.
2: And then you've got Athena, who represents the Bering Sea. And I closed my notes on what she's wearing that makes it see that seem that way.
1: Uh, which one's Athena? Kestra.
0: She is. Uh, she has the orangish tail and um, brown hair.
1: Okay, right. But I, yeah. And so then, for whatever reason, she's right. the Bering Sea.
2: And then you've got Adela, who's the Mediterranean Sea. And then Alana has black hair. She represents the Black Sea. And then mm-hmm. the last one that we see right at the end is, of course, Ariel, who represents the Red Sea with her red hair.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I know that there's a, also a bad joke that gets attached to this <laughs> um, whole thing. So what about Ariel's mom? Athena. Do you do you not have that note in there, Thomas? I don't have that note. No. Uh, Ariel's mom is representative of the Dead Sea.
2: Oh, nice! <laughs> well done, sir. Well done.
1: Somebody, somebody has that on on a Tumblr or something. There's a meme that goes around all the Disney fan pages periodically, and that's the that's the punchline to that entire project about which seas the daughters represent. And it's like, what about the mom? Dead Sea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that one's rough.
2: <laughs> Did um, I mention but... I was just editing your minutes on Neverending? Oh man! Speaking and of Dead Sea,
1: <laughs> I have I have minutes in which uh, a uh, fantastic horse dies yes. in a swamp. So, yeah, it's not me, guys. I promise. <laughs> um, okay, but Castro, what do you have on the daughters? Let's let's hear all the details.
0: I have a lot of different information.
1: Unfortunately, they're not in this movie a lot, so we kind of have to cram it all in right, right. here. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, the So there is conflict over the Order of the Daughters, because in the prequel, the Order of the Daughters... Well, actually, I'll start with our film currently. Yes, what we have our, here. Our current film with Daughters of Triton, people have always thought that the order that they sing their names in is the order that they we uh, are were born we're born yes. which
1: I think makes quite a bit of sense.
0: Yes. So it says um so it goes Aquata, Andrina, Arista, Atina, Adela, Alana, and Ariel. However, in the prequel, it is um so it's the third film that came out.
1: Ariel's Beginnings.
0: Ariel's Beginnings. Okay. And it's uh it came out two 2000- thousand
1: 3-ish? Yeah. Somewhere in the 2000s. We have yes. not had the chance to watch this. No. So and we're it, getting all this information from the internet.
0: Yes. They have... In the film, they have a different order of mm-hmm. their ages and... and
1: Where, where each where one falls.
0: Falls, yes. Do, are,
1: are, are they still... Is each name still attached to the same daughter, as far yes. as we can tell? Yes. Okay, so Aquata... It's still the one that we would identify as Aquata. Yes. Okay.
0: So in the prequel, it has Atina, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista, Andrina, and Ariel. However, with um, so in the prequel, Adela falls third in line from the oldest. Mm-hmm. But in but she is also. She also has a line, I think, in, uh, yeah, in the prequel, where she says that she is two years older than Ariel, putting her in, in a different order in the in the line. Of- right,
1: unless unless they're born in groups, but we also have ages attached to them, so it gets a little finicky. Yes. See, expanded universe, guys. You think Star <laughs> Wars is bad? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, goodness.
0: if we were to go with the prequel order. Mm-hmm. Without and with without Adela saying that she is two years older than Ariel, mm-hmm. Atina is twenty two, and then they all fall one year below that.
1: Which is a, an odd way to fall, but I don't know what mermaid gestation is like.
0: Mm-hmm. So Atina would be twenty two in this film. In the prequel, she's twenty one.
1: Right, so she'd be twenty two in this one. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay.
0: And and Ariel because Ariel is, is sixteen. 16. Yeah. Uh. And so the their outfits. Uh, uh, I will go through. R- so we can identify
1: which ones. Quickly, quickly. yes.
0: Okay. Atina has brown hair.
1: Which which way are we starting? Are we starting from the top as seen in this film, or
0: I can start start at the top. Okay.
1: Or are you starting in the top as age in the prequel? <laughs> Let's go with this film as this our film? guiding. Okay. Yes. So Aquata. Aquata. And I, I still, I want to think Aquata's the oldest. It's what makes the most sense to me.
0: She has brown hair and a light blue tail.
1: Okay. Got it.
0: What you also have to know is all these princesses in the prequel have different eye colors, but in this film they all have blue eyes.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And so in the prequel she also has brown eyes. Uh, sh- and so Andrina who is next in line in this film. She has a purple t- tail and um, a purple seashell bra. Uh, sh- and in the prequel, she has hazel eyes and she has blonde hair. Okay. Making- but darker
1: blonde than Arista. Yes. Okay.
0: Darker blonde. Then it's Arista, who has a red tail and seashell bra. And sh- in the prequel, she has ice blue eyes. Okay. And blonde hair, okay. but like really blurry blonde hair, almost white, which right. is why she's represented as the white sea. Got it. Then there's a Tina, who has an orange tail. It's kind of orange. It doesn't really look exactly orange, but in comparison to Arista's red tail, it's mm-hmm. it's orange.
1: It's it's a paler red.
0: Yes. And in the prequel, she has green eyes and she has light brown hair.
1: Okay. We also on these pages, Kestra also has notes about their personalities, likes and dislikes. Like there is a wealth of information, and we might like this episode can't run too long, so we might <laughs> have to save it for the only other time we see the daughters of Tritons <laughs> yeah. in this movie, so we can get a little more information at a that's later date. The wedding, right? Uh, well, oh, I that's when about all the of them.
0: That's when all of them show up again. I'm not sure if all of them show up at when in the brief like. Five seconds. There, yeah, there's Ariel... a moment
1: where Ariel uh, passes by them while they're putting on makeup. Right. And doing their
0: hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's later. I'll probably save some for both of those minutes. We'll save some <laughs> for when we can. Yeah. Uh, Adela, she has a yellow tail um, and a kind of different colored seashell bra. Like a, it's, like a greenish? It's like a light green color. Mm-hmm. And she has teal eyes in the, in the prequel, and uh, has dark brown hair.
1: Like, quite dark. Is, is her hair the darkest?
0: Well, there's- The black
1: or, um, Oh. Um, there's Alana, who Alana has black has hair. Right. Okay.
0: So then there's Alana, who has a pink tail, and she has violet eyes in the, in the prequel, and she has a black hair.
1: I am really sad that in, in the song, in the scene, Adela and Alana are not on screen when their names are said. Right. <laughs> That's when we get a shot of Sebastian just being really thirsty for praise and approval. <laughs> As he's like, he's conducting this song and like, yes, I'm proud of these girls. And then he looks over at King Triton like, it's going well, right? And look, Sebastian look what I did, look what I did. <laughs> but I feel like Sebastian's also afraid. He's like, Ariel might not be here, so I hope he's really liking it up to this point.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And Triton doesn't seem that pleased yet. No. I think he's waiting for Ariel to show up. Yeah. So he, either he's got...
0: He, he's, he's, he plays favorites. Like he has Ariel. a big problem
1: with favorites, but also I wonder if he's hoping that she will be behaved and be present.
2: I wonder how these other sisters feel about this. Like, we're doing this big number just to show off our little sister. Yeah.
1: I mean, she is it's
0: like her debut. Yeah, it, kind of. so
1: if she's sixteen, that would be you know a, a suitable time for a royal debut, um, like like a like a debutante event. Um, in this case, and right. so each of them probably had something like this, and in this case, it, for for the rest of them it, it might not have been a concert, but because Ariel is well known for having the best voice in the kingdom. Uh, perhaps that's why they went with a concert as part of the event. But it was probably a, a larger event for her in general. There's sort of a whole day planned, which they really should have had someone like making sure she was present for everything. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. But because of her, of the lyrics saying, like, they have this whole thing talking about Ariel and she's not there yet. I, that's what makes me think it's like a debut.
1: Right. Well, And, and yeah. they do. They, I mean, they they I think they only refer to it as her musical debut um for the concert but i think it's supposed to be implied that it's a general yeah. debut
2: maybe that was supposed to be flounder's job <laughs> was to make yeah. sure she was there and he
1: failed because she's so good at just walking all over him that's possible
0: yeah very possible
1: i mean oh then it it, it could have been like flounder's first assignment and he right. failed and he floundered at it <laughs> oh, oh i like flounder a lot yeah Okay.
0: Well, I have one more note about this about Alana. Okay, let's Alana, hear it. Alana, uh, if you look at her name, which is spelled A L A N A, it's she's supposedly supposed to be an homage to Alan Minken. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll take it. He deserves it.
0: And then all of their tails and uh, um, are different colors of the rainbow because then we have Ariel who has a green tail. Oh. So, there's orange, pink, yellow, blue, red, purple, pink, green. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: I wonder now if mermaids get to choose their tail color, like, if they do something to change it or if it's just the way they're born.
1: They can can dye their tail fins. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Something like some kind of aesthetic. Yeah.
1: That. I think we're going to have a lot of conversations about how mermaids do in the water (laughs) and that would be one of them Uh, especially when we do get a brief shot of mermaid cosmetic uh affectation uh from from the doctor
2: i don't think powdering your nose would do very much in the water
1: (laughs) i guess it would be like i was about to say like like smoking but that doesn't work either uh like like hazing
0: i don't know but ursula also puts on some makeup Yes. So I don't know how this all works.
1: There's going to be a lot to talk about. But I think that's all we have for you today, listeners. Uh, We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us in many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. Our guest, Thomas, can be found where?
2: I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at The Wookie Lives. If you're looking for my show, Neverending Minute, which is just like this one, but it discusses the never ending story, you can go on Twitter at Nevendmin. That's N E V E N D M I N. You can check out our Facebook page or join our Listener Society group at Neverending Minute Listener Society. And we are part of Growler Media. And if you want to check that stuff out, go to growlermedia.com. You can find stuff there.
1: Uh, At least once a week, we try to make a point of expressing gratitude to Star Wars Minute for starting all of this stuff going. Uh, It's amazing, and we're glad that we're part of it. Definitely. (laughs) And until tomorrow, listeners, we want to thank you for making us part of
0: your world. Aww.